And we are back 25 minutes, almost 26 minutes after 11 o'clock, our Mellow Joy Coffee Time. My pleasure to welcome back to the show Richard Abear, Abear's Garden Center. How are you? Hey, Jeff. Good morning. I'm doing great. And you? Good. Um, weather uh, looks like a good weekend, at least through Saturday, to get into the garden. That's right. I mean, I know it's a little chilly, but you're correct. You know, in terms of, uh, you know, you need to pick your opportunities to prepare you know, because, you, you know, in this time of year, in February, many times it, it'll, once it dries up, it'll dry for a few days and then stay wet for a week or two. So, Yes, if there's an opportunity, if you want to do any digging or tilling and it gets dry enough, then, yeah, you're right. You want to get out there and do it. There you go. You brought in with you uh, something a little uh, thorny, and we'll be talking about that. you want to jump into that or other things? Yeah, or? no, I, I think we'll go ahead and do that. Uh, this is, uh, you know, I'm going to talk today on on uh, on transplanting and pruning uh, tea roses. And, you know, tea roses, tea roses for the, the novice, um, What's a tea rose compared to whatever else? Okay, so uh, the the tea roses were really the only major type rose up to the, up till maybe twenty years ago when the knockouts and the drift roses came into play. And the reason the knockout and the drift rose came into play was because as time went on, the younger people were getting busier. They had uh, 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 you know every you know the, the both 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 the uh, the mother and father and the family worked. And so they didn't have much time, as much time as we did in the past. And that's kind of the lead-in to the tea roses. The tea roses are your long-stem cut flower roses, and that's the ones you okay, would buy yeah. in the florist. And, uh, and you also have other ones. You have uh, floribundas. And, but the tea roses are the, are, you know, are, were the big rose for, for decades, uh, mainly because uh, uh, you, you had someone who could work it, and, and you had more people uh, doing outdoor work and uh, just less a distraction. It's a great hobby, but you do need to be willing to work it. And and uh, uh, and the reason I'm talking about it now is now is the time. Really, late January, February is the best time to plant them. Not in that you could not plant them in March and April. We sell most of our roses in March and April. Uh, we actually bring in our own tea roses and pot them ourselves. Uh, that allows me to get. Uh, 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 the best grade out there. There's different grades of roses. You can grade them uh, one, one and a halfs, and twos. Well, we get ones, and we'll kind of talk about what it, what it, what that means. So, and then we actually pot them ourselves. I actually bought in a a rose to Jeff, which basically looks like sticks. Yeah, canes, right? Canes, exactly. Yeah. And so, so it's just canes that are just starting to sprout, and. Uh, and that's kind of where you start. You can actually bare root roses this time of year, meaning that you could actually do what we've done is is, is uh, take them and plant them directly in the soil. But when we pot our, our roses, they come in just the roots and the and the canes. Really, that's it. And we put them in the uh, we have certain ways of putting them in the soil, the proper soil, soil proper pH, put them in the soil, and then uh, pretty much leave them alone. Uh, the, the biggest issue with roses hadn't been much of an issue this year is that you don't want the canes to in any way desiccate or, or, or dry out and then go bad on you. So what you do is you have to kind of mist them periodically, especially mm. during a day like today. We'll, I'll irrigate it for maybe two or three minutes, two or three times during the day, just to make sure that, that they don't start to die back, I guess. Okay. And, uh, and, and then we don't do any pruning to them until right about now. And we're fixing to get in there and start pruning. We'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, but when they come in, they're basically 
they take all these bare root roses at the place in these come out of Oregon, arid regions, less disease issues, and they'll actually run them through a, a, a bandsaw, and they'll just, just flatten the tops out, cut nice. every cane the same length, same height, and flat. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. And it's important for the, uh, the listener to know how to prune roses because you, don't just, you just don't prune them one time. Uh, you're going to be pruning them several times during the growing season. And then you'll actually cut them back to this height next January. You're kidding. Uh, yeah, they'll be, uh, at once the rose is completed cycle all through the growing season, uh, you want to cut these things back to about 10, 12 inches from the ground from, they could be upwards of four to five feet tall. So you're actually cutting it back. and, and, and you're, you're, you're telling me in one year that could be four feet tall, and you're going to cut it back to, to another year. And you do this every year? Every year. No every kidding. Year. And, and, the, and the basic reason, and I'm going to kind of jump the gun a little bit, the basic reason is is that uh, if you look at I, I love doing visuals on a radio show. But anyway, if you're looking at these canes, you have some canes that are a half inch to an inch. You have some, some canes that are a, a quarter of an inch or, or, or less or an eighth of an inch. You want to pick the best-looking, healthiest canes and the biggest canes possible. And that's kind of how they grade these. And this one has, uh, you know, three nice-sized canes on it. But we're going to take out the smaller canes and leave those main canes. And during the growing season, Jeff, you're going to be, these canes are going to sprout and make a bunch of canes. You want to limit those number of canes to the healthiest and the biggest canes you get. So it's really important to start off with a uh, with a with a number one grade uh, uh, rose because now we're in South Louisiana as opposed to Oregon, and there's a lot more disease, a lot more humidity, a lot more fungus. And so these roses will decline every year. And uh, so you want to start off with the best you can get so that you can keep them as healthy and as strong and as productive for the longest number of years. Some of these cane growers, Jeff, every three to four years will take, will take them out. And they'll get into cycles. Let's say they have 20 hybrid tea roses. They'll start and say, okay, uh, 20, every, every fourth year I'm going to replace five. So every year they end up replacing five roses and so that they're not, they're not replacing the whole thing at one time. And so they cycle out those roses. Now, you don't have to do that as a homeowner, but, but some, some people are really into roses will actually do that. They will say, okay, so every year I'm, I'm replacing four to five or two to three, whatever, and, and, and I'll just keep uh, taking them out. Now, where do, you, where do you put roses? Roses love sun. They need sun and good drainage. So raised beds are really popular today. Uh, much more popular today than they've ever have been. Uh, but when it comes to roses, that's always been the case. They would actually raise those beds, uh, you know, 10 to 12 inches and and plant roses. Now, let's say you just, uh, man, I don't want to do, go, do all that. I, I don't have it, and I want to just do one or two. Containers are great. Containers are basically a raised bed. You just want a decent-sized container, uh, a minimum of 12 inches tall, and you can do one or two roses. They don't need to cross-pollinate, anything like that. And, uh, and, and, but you want to put them in, uh, good sun. Okay. Uh, again, site selection, full sun, well-drained, good air circulation. You don't want to put them against a, a building where, where maybe, uh, the humidity will stay. And that's in, uh, and that's important. Not necessarily the focal point. And that, what I mean by that is, is that, uh, you know, if you have the space, the, a rose bed 
many times of the year will look like what we're looking at here, just sticks, right? <laughs> so you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to do you know five or six roses dead in front of the house. And the reason I say that, Jeff, is because you know people come to the store in the spring and and they see man these roses are gone. I'm I'm planting planting me a row of these roses in the front and it looks great and it looks great for two or three months but then it may look bad for two or three months so the, the really the the goal with these type of roses is you actually using cut flower roses so that's what you bring in to be the focal point you you actually cut them bring them into the house put them in a uh, floral display and uh they look very 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 good and you can actually do extremely well with the you know little prep what kind of soil do you need just a a good loamy soil you know years ago it would be sand organic matter and topsoil mixed together but now there's mixes we sell these bulk mixes and that are kind of pre-done for you uh the big thing is is the ph should be around six five so sometimes you have to add lime to the soil sometimes you don't but but it's important you don't want to have a real acid soil when it comes to roses and um and and so once you have that, you're ready to go. So it's a great time of year to prepare for it because you start, the roses are planted or can be planted pretty much earlier than most things. I mean, you can actually plant roses in February with no problem. So at least, at least the mental preparation of what you want to do and how you want to do it uh, would be important. When it comes to selection of your rose, uh, the, the hybrid tea roses come in many uh, vast colors, uh, some things you want to think about is the size of the rose that you want, the color of the rose that you want. Some of them, like this one I brought in, is one called Oklahoma. It's a really old rose that does extremely well that is really fragrant. So you have some that are more fragrant than others. Some have multicolors, yellow and a little tint of red, whites. Uh, uh, many roses do better than others. There's a, you know, uh, a, some roses that do well in south Louisiana may not do as well as in, uh, in uh, you know, north texas so you know selection is important uh, uh kind of understand that but no no kind of the color and you know fragrance and the size of the rose will make will make a big difference spacing you know uh, if you're doing a bed you're going to space one of these roses believe it or not jeff three feet apart you would think looking at this thing that that you could put them you know uh, t- uh 18 to 24 inch apart but no, I, I can see as that thing grows, it's, you know, a, a V-shaped uh, kind of thing. And I can just picture it getting taller if you mention four or five feet. That it, yeah. Yeah, and so it'll take up some space. But it's even more critical in terms of the spacing because of the disease issues that we've talked about. Uh, if you start putting these, these plants too close together, uh, it's going to they're going to get intermingled with each other and therefore those leaves will stay wetter than normal less air circulation and and because of that more disease issues so you want to give them that space and that's why that air circulation is important you don't want to put them in a corner you know where you don't get a lot of air circulation you know i've always said this jeff little little differences make big differences so uh raised bed full sun good air circulation and now the proper spacing all very important initially to you know to to make it to make it happen now how do you how do you plant them well jeff uh you know obviously if these are planted you you pretty much planted the same depth that is planted uh these are grafted so these actually these uh they are grafted like a citrus tree these this uh uh root there's a rootstock on here which makes it 
a real hardy rootstock that's grow, that's viable, that's strong, and they graft it to whatever type of rose they want in. This is Oklahoma. Okay, right. So that would be the top of the rose, the red. Uh, you know, there's there's many other varieties uh, that you could you graft onto it, and it makes for a healthier, hardier rose when you do that. So grafting is, is part of it. The, uh, the actually pruning of the rose will come now. And even with us, remember when I talked about, Jeff, that uh, when we get these roses in, you know, they, don't, they can't take the labor to actually cut these roses because uh, it, would, it would cost too much. And so what we do is we will actually come in at this point when they start to sprout. And what Jeff is looking at right now is a rose in a container that has uh, four or five nice-sized canes on it. And that are just starting to sprout their vegetative growth, the leafy growth. Certainly got the thorns, though, at this point. Oh, it's, it, it, it yeah. has the thorns, exactly. And what you're trying to do, because we've talked really uh, 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 talking about air circulation and how important that is to prevent diseases. So what you'd want to do is, like we do with any pruning, this was cut with a bandsaw, so all of these cuts are basically flat cuts. Yeah. Okay. And so what you want to do is you want to come in with a good pair of pruners. Remember, you never want to use a pair of pruners that's going to crush crush the... Uh, like my 10-year-old ones. That's right, exactly. You know, you know and, and that's true, maintenance of them. But what you want to do is make an angle cut above, uh, about a quarter of an inch above a sprouting uh, vegetative growth. When we see the vegetative growth here. The kicker is, is that you want to pick a vegetative bud that is growing away from the plant, not toward the inside of the plant. So I'm going to take this mm. one, Jeff, and there's some. So you're just doing one. I'm going to do one, but you, you see how you would think that on this one, I have three beautiful okay. vegetative buds coming there. But you see that one that's going out and not in? Mm-hmm. I'm going to take it, and if I can do it from a long distance, and I'm going to do angle cut slightly above it, and that's it. So what Jeff is looking at now is I've taken off some beautiful sprouts. A, a dead piece of stick on my <laughs> uh, counter here. Is yes, my... don't worry. Uh, uh, we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get Ted, we'll get Ted we to handle that there for you. Uh, but the sprout that I left on here is going to grow away from the interior of the plant. And I want to do that on, on as many as I can find. And I'm seeing one down here. I'm going to cut. I'm cutting. Significant a, amount. A, a, a significant amount. I, I, I'm going to guess, is that anything to do with sun? Because if it's growing it, inward, it doesn't get as much sun. That, you encourage the outward growth. That is exactly right. And 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 that air circulation. You're okay, so, yeah. So yeah. You, don't, you don't want to. Uh, so I'm going to take this one. And sometimes those, those I, will get rid of. I'm surprised how thick that cane is. Oh, yeah. That, that, as young as I guess it is. And so you would think that you would say, man, you, you're taking off a lot of good sprouts and it's true but the more and i'm just going to break off the ones that are growing inward and i'm gonna cut this one off too and i'm gonna stop there and i could actually come and cut this one off at an angle and we're pretty much set there and boy i've taken off how does that how does that bush look compared to what it looked before now it kind of looks like a uh, small uh, (laughs) one of those out west uh Cactus. cactus. It almost looks like a small cactus it, at this point. It, it doesn't look good, right? It looked much better before. 
But you got to think long term. You got to think long term is it because what's going to happen is this plant is going to be much, much fuller. And remember, what we're trying to cut off of these are these long stem flowers. So these these uh, canes have to be big and healthy and strong. You can't have a bunch of weak ones because it won't hold, hold the flower. Smelling a fragrance is that um, that's the, the same type of fragrance it would often no. produce. That's a different. No, that's that. All of them will have that that kind of smell after you cut them, and uh, and so you have a in terms of substantial size of the plant, uh, it's much much smaller and much more compact, which it, it, it's eventually going to be very very good for the plant. Now it's going to take time, but I guarantee you. Uh, this plant, given by the middle of March, which is about six weeks away, is going to be in heavy bud, heavy flower bud. And so you're going to have a, a plant that's probably going to be, I'd say, about 18 to 24 inches tall, Jeff, in heavy bud. And by the end of March and April, will be in full bloom and really, really gorgeous. And so it's, it's simple. And uh, so this part is is... You gotta have to be comfortable with it, know what you're doing. But but in terms of uh, the healthiest way to do it, that's that's the way to do it. So if you had an old existing plant, a year or two old, it would be you would be cutting out a lot more canes. Uh, any of these small ones, I left here one, two, three, four, five canes. I probably could have taken out one this one. I may just leave four healthy canes, and you're gonna have a bunch more canes to get rid of. And it's really important that you get rid of those small, spindly canes so the plant will grow on just the healthy ones. Mm. Now, as this plant grows and starts to develop, remember, these are long-stem cut flower roses. So just like you buy in a florist, you can get a, a, you know, a stem roses 12, 18 inches long, and, and that's what you're going to do with these. these. They will make on these long stems. And when you cut it back, um, basically you want to cut it. You don't want to cut them short. You're going to come at least four or five leaflets down, and you make an angle cut, and then you have this pretty long stem rose that's ready to go. And Does, does it only produce the rose at the top then, or will it throughout, and then they often... Well, after after you cut that rose, it's going to re-sprout and and make more. Okay. And so that's essentially why you cut it. If you cut it really short, it's going to re-sprout from that short end, and it won't be able to hold that rose. I mean, it's, it's dual. One, you're going to get a long stem rose, and secondly, the second sprout that's going to produce another rose is going to be on a bigger cane, so that it can it can hold that. And so you don't want to cut it cut them short. So. Um, I think it's five to seven leaflets that you're going to actually end up cutting it back, okay. which is a good distance, 12 to 18 inches. And so, and it's always going to be an angle cut. And also, if you can find the bud that's going to sprout away from the center, you're going to, you're going to keep, keep doing that, uh, allowing that thing to keep developing outward rather than inward. Not to say that you're not going to have leaflets growing inward. You will, but you don't want it as thick. And it's an art. It's an art. It's a, it's a fun art, and it's a... Uh, 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 something that will be, you know, somewhat time-consuming but fun. Now, ne- the- next to tomatoes, I picture rose competitions. That's one of the things uh, I think about with roses. A- absolutely. I mean, there's uh, you know, rose societies. There's yeah. societies in New Iberia, and I just don't know how big it is, have, but there's certainly Acadiana Rose Society that you can become members of. And uh, 
you know, you fertilize roses are heavy feeders, this type of rose. I'm not talking about the knockouts. So roses, once you cut them back like this, you start fertilizing them during the growing season, which is basically February to October, once a month. And let me tell you, there's all kind of formulas. You talk about people from the Rose Society, there's all kind of formulas, you know, bone meal, fish meal, uh, and everybody has their 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 method. Technique, yeah. And, and, and so, so there's but the bottom line is a good balanced fertilizer. You keep it simple once a month, and you want to do that throughout the growing season, which would be now till October, and that'll keep them healthy. The other thing that you got to do, which you don't have to do with the knockouts, is that you got to be willing to spray them for fungus issues. And that's, you know, we've been talking about fungus uh, from the onset. And so that is the big issue here. You know, we get into that six week rainy period that we had uh, this past summer where it just rained not so much a lot every day, it just rained every day. And it just kept it humid, and you have to stay on top of it. So that's when you spray once a month, and there's, 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 there's safe chemicals, organic chemicals, or there's more commercialized, systemic chemicals that you can start spraying. But you want to get into that habit of spraying them. And then you also want to watch for insects, but you don't have to spray as intensely. It's, it's mostly a disease issue that's the, that is the problem uh, with roses, although there are some issues. The, the, the biggest issue that comes across my mind initially is uh, on our roses, and, and I have to prepare for it, is an insect called thrips. And thrips is one that actually gets in the flower itself and, and prevents the flower from opening up properly. And so that's something we have to watch, off, watch for intensely, and we do a preventive measure because the flowers is what sell our roses in the spring. So we don't want to lose that first crop of roses uh, through these little bugs called thrips. And so we actually, um, I'd say probably in late February, early March, there's something that uh, we will spray on them that will prevent the thrips from coming out. And I know those buds will open up with no problems. And uh, and so you've got to kind of watch for a few things. But the main thing when it comes to these tea roses are going to be fungus issues, which is easily prevented, but you gotta you got to be willing. And that's where the maintenance comes in, Jeff, is that, you you have to be willing to prune these roses and work these roses as the growing season comes. But, uh, you know, if you're looking for a hobby or, you know, uh, uh, it, is, it is something to keep in mind. But just like with when people come in and they want to start a vegetable garden and they say, look, man, I'm plowing the front yard up. We're doing 500-foot rows. And, you know, we're trying to say, have you done it yet? And they say, well, no, not yet. I say, start small. Start small. And the same thing with this is that even if it's just one, one plant, one container, and, and to see how successful you can be, I think that the, the biggest thing you want to do is, besides starting small, is become educated on what you need to do and, and what you want to do, and meaning that, you know, uh, uh, there are some requirements. And for, for, a, uh, for a small uh, one or two uh, uh, plants. You can actually buy pre, pre-done chemicals that are pre-done. You don't have to buy the tank sprays, and you can spray pre-done, so you don't have to get involved with all the mixing and all this other stuff. And, you know, you'd, all, you'd always want to have a good uh, good pair of pruners so that you can make the proper cuts. And uh, so as long as you have the soil, the container, and, and, the, and the location, and you're willing to, uh, to, to work with them a little bit and spray them a little bit, it's a fun hobby that that actually does extremely well, and uh, and if you're interested, come talk to us.
Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, anything else? Uh, uh, that's it, Jeff. A couple of things I want to say, kind of off the off the off the subject, but the uh, talk a little bit about citrus trees. We started to get people concerned about the mm-hmm. citrus trees because they did take a zap with the cold weather, and uh, so. There's really not a lot you want to do. You, you certainly don't want to fertilize them at this point. Uh, I am finding, though, that, you know, like the satsumas and the oranges, depending on how much you're protecting them, might have done really, really uh, are going to overcome it and start to see sprouts. And so if you start to see sprouting that's above the graph, meaning that you don't want to worry about sprouting that's maybe two or three inches above the ground. It has to be well into the plant that's sprouting there. That is a really good sign. The fact that they lost all their leaves, I mean, it's not the best sign, but it's certainly not the worst. Uh, you know, if you got a tree that got burned and the leaves stayed on and they dried up and they fell off drying up, that's not a good sign. I'd still say wait. But, uh, but if you had a, a plant that just dropped all the leaves that were yellow and maybe green and just dropped them all, I think you got a pretty good shot at that re-sprouting. You know, the ones that took the biggest lick are going to be the lemons and the limes. They took a big lick. But some of them, you know, that were young and not protected, you know, did nothing with them, I think they're going to struggle. But like I'm telling everybody, look, just hang in there and wait, you know. It can't hurt. It it can't hurt. If you want to replant, you can replant in March. But you'll know by the middle of March, uh, depending on weather. If February is a mild February, they're either going to sprout or not sprout. Uh, Is it obvious where the graft is? Well, uh I think it is, but but if you can if you say twelve to eighteen inches above the graph, don't let anything sprout, and and that's what we generally tell people when we sell one. We say, look, just keep this area clean because there's no vegetated growth that's going to produce uh, fruit coming from that low. So just keep it clean, and and that is a good point, Jeff. I think anybody right now, the one thing you want to do is if anything starts to sprout at that area that we're talking about at the graft or 12 or 18 inches uh, from the ground, you want to break that off immediately. Just assume it's no good, and let's see what happens. You, you, what happens? Let the, the energy go to the top. Let the energy go to the top. But more importantly, you're going to be able to diagnose the, the viability of that plant much, much better in four to six weeks if you're breaking those off. Because what's going to happen is and what happened last couple years ago when it froze really hard people coming back and saying yeah my, my my plant made it you know they'd come and talk to us in the summer and say oh my plant made it and then we'd ask them okay well what made it well the, the top part died off but man it just grew and it's just like three feet tall right now and then we start questioning where was that sprout coming from and then we determine that it's going to make a a fruit that's worthless and that's that's what's been happening people would come in in you know they came in this fall and said hey i got this I got my, my citrus tree that changed. It's no longer my, my satsuma tree that's now making this fruit that's sour and full of mm. seeds. And then we say, well, what happened during the freeze? And they say, well, it, it, it got zapped really good, but it came back. I said, where did it come back from? It came back from, you know, by the ground. I said, well, that's, that's it. And it, it's, it's, they're grafted. And so that, uh, so that graft is grafted to a, they call it trifoliata. It's going to make a sour fruit. And they graft it because the, the root system is really good compared to the top. So you get the best of both worlds. You get a great root system and a great top. And so, so you got a great ornamental plant. 
It'll be a great ornament, but that's pretty much it. Because it's going to—I tell you—that fruit is worthless. Is worthless to humans, but does anybody else? Uh, I mean, I don't know, Jeff. I don't know what they tell me. And when I cut it open and you taste it, I mean, it is extremely yeah. sour, and and just fibrous and full of seeds. And so, you know, it's not something you really want, especially if you're trying to grow an orange or a satsuma. And uh, so. So look for that. Break all that off at the bottom for sure, and just don't let it sprout and see what happens. And then uh, if you know it starts to sprout from above, that's a great sign. Then what you're going to do then is start to prune it out depending on how much dead wood you got and see what see kind of dead wood you got. So there's really nothing to do. You don't want to fertilize. You don't want to push it so that it, it grows. You just want to kind of leave it alone and, and see what happens. And then uh, hopefully most people do. I don't think it's going to be as bad as the previous year. I think we were – that are prepared with the citrus to uh, to cover them. We didn't have as many big citrus because of the fact that all the big ones had got zapped pretty mm. good, and some, many of them had died. So they were much. Uh, we could prepare and, and cover much easier than we could the other ones. So that helped. That helped a tremendous amount. One thing about the get back to the roses. Roses really aren't affected by the cold. So that's one thing you don't have to protect. Uh, no, my mom, she tried to grow it into a hedge and. That never worked uh, between me and the neighbor kids running through. Uh, yes. Uh, but but you're right. Um, they, they survived winters. Yeah. So in terms of cold protection, it's, it's really not an issue. Sometimes you have to maybe protect the flowers if they're blooming early. But as, for the most part, it's, it's, a, it's a, a non-issue. But they are grafted. And so, so what some people will come in and tell us after a few years, said, you know, my rose, uh, it's, I've got two or three colors. It never happened. And that's because... It's it's coming from below the graft. And many people say, well, I like the color of that rose. And it's generally true. Uh, the color would be would maybe be very, very pretty. But it's certainly not going to be as maybe big or as fragrant. There's going to be some things that aren't seeds. No. No, the, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no seeds there. So, uh, <laughs> But anyway, so the bottom line would be is that these are grafted too. So you, wanna, you, you don't want to lease the to uh, you see that big knot, Jeff? Right. That's the graft, right where it's coming from. Okay. So anything coming from the ground level, you want to break that off. Not as big an issue with these as is with citrus, and in part it's because this thing, when, when it when it sprouts, it provides so much shade down there that you know it doesn't really want to sprout. It's not as vigorous. Whereas a citrus tree is a tree, so you get a lot more sun, and and so it it will it has a tendency to sprout more, kind of like a crepe myrtle wants to sprout. That from the bottom. I'm always okay. You're grafting something. Where does the graft come from? The the graft. Okay, I'm a, I'm oversimplified, but the the graft. You talking about the rootstock? If, if it doesn't come from a plant that's coming in from the ground. Okay, so the the, the basic is the rootstock or the bottom, the root part, the bottom part is usually a native plant. Something that's very hardy that you could probably find in the wild, let's say, that that never produces anything that's that's worth that's 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 good. So obviously you wouldn't want that. However, if you could combine the two with a top, I see what you're saying now. Where where did they develop that top part, exactly. right? Exactly. Oh, that's that's when you get into uh, into why not just pe- people that? with with ph well no get people with PhDs and 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 crossbreeding. And in going to areas such as Oregon where they can crossbreed that native plant initially 
and cross it with another native plant and all of a sudden come up with something and now you got something and you take that one, you crossbreed. It is a, it is a science, it is a big time science and they make big dollars when they start to, and we see that in vegetables, you know, where the, you know, cucumbers and, and certain vegetables are hybridized to produce something that's better, whether it be production, whether it be size, whether it be taste. There's a lot of things that go into, but yeah, this goes back many, many decades ago, but that's done by, I mean, at LSU, when I was there, they, they would actually had a big uh, hybridization program on roses, amongst other things. Uh, citrus, they have a, 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 a big research station just dedicated to citrus trees. It is a big cash crop in Louisiana, and that's what they do. They are actually trying to produce more cold tolerance, uh, more disease tolerance. And, and, and so everyone is tolerated. And the interesting thing about, about roses, Jeff, is they will actually name them names that are good for marketing, right? So, I mean, they'll buy, I mean, we used to have Bob Hope roses. I don't know, name <laughs> it, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know, but they, they will name them uh, marketing names, and they'll pay big dollars to use those names. But, you know, Queen Elizabeth Rose, uh, uh, so how Lady, Lady Diana Oklahoma. Rose. <laughs> Oklahoma. Oklahoma is a good one, though. Oklahoma is a good one. But I don't know if it's the, it's the state or the uh, – or the musical or the movie, whatever it was. You got me. Yes. But anyway, uh, but anyway, it's it, it, it's interesting and uh, it's definitely a science into it, And uh, but it's not that complicated. You just got to be willing to do a little research and uh, a little preparation. Anything else you want to share today? That's it, Jeff. We're getting ready at the store, and uh, pretty soon, uh, I'd say hopefully by the middle of February, we'll have a lot of our stuff in right now we're just not there uh, in terms of we just don't want to bring this stuff in early you never know what's going to happen but it won't be long all right richard always a pleasure uh, again uh, if you missed any portion of this conversation it'll be up online at king1240.com a little later today but richard uh, always a pleasure thank you jeff